couple of things I feel confident of. On any given Sunday, there's not another church in America playing Alice Cooper. Something else I feel very confident of, if they are playing Alice Cooper, they're not doing it on Mother's Day. (laughs) I was meeting with those pastors this week, and they brought up the subject of Mother's Day, and they asked me what kind of series we were doing or what I was preaching. And I said, we're on a series right now called Samson. And they kind of looked at me, and they said, but it's Mother's Day. And I said, yeah, we're doing a series called Samson. They said, what are you going to do about all the mothers who are there? And I said, well, they're going to hear a sermon about Samson. And they said, well, I don't understand. We're going to do messages catered towards the mothers. And I said, that's awesome. I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a sermon catered towards their husbands who don't normally come to church with them but are coming because it's Mother's Day. Maybe that way they'll come back the next Sunday. That's our gift to them. One thing I've always been proud of about Action Church is, is where the church your husband wants to attend. I can't tell you how many times people have left this church or ladies have left this church and they literally have taken my hand and shook it and said, thank you for this church. To be honest with you, it's probably not the church I would attend, but I prayed for years for my husband to come to church and this is the only church he'll come to and then that just reminds me that we're doing what we're supposed to do. We're looking at Samson, and man, he's an interesting character. We're going to be hanging out in Judges 14. Last week, we were in Judges 13. Let me give you a real quick recap. Samson is a guy who, from the start, was set apart. He was called by God. He was chosen by God to bring deliverance to God's people from the enslavement or the oppression of the Philistines. God gave him supernatural strength. Inside of Samson was more potential than you could ever imagine. But I told you last week, I think one of the saddest words in our vocabulary is the word potential. Because when we say someone has potential, what we really mean is up until this point, they have not fulfilled their destiny. They haven't achieved all that they can achieve. They're full of potential. And Samson, like all of us, had all this potential from God, yet like so many of us, and I want you to notice today, I didn't say like so many of you. I said us. He took that potential, and he continued down a self-destructive path. He made decisions over and over and over again. And as we get into this story, you're going to see he made some of the same decisions over and over again. And they kept him from living the potential that he had. If you remember last week, our main point of the sermon was Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Had all the potential in the world, but he was sidetracked very easily by his flesh. If you remember last week, I gave you three attitudes that make strong men weak. The first we talked about was lust. 
Samson left his town. I got to go over all this to get you caught up with where we're at. So Samson left his town. He went four miles to another town, an enemy town, and he pursued a Philistine woman, the enemy's woman, one who was off limits. And Samson said, I want it. And his lust began the pattern, the direction of him not living up to his potential. The second thing we saw in Samson, not only did he have a spirit of lust, he had a spirit of entitlement. He had a Nazarite vow, and I won't get into all the Nazarite vows, but one of the vows was he was not to touch any dead thing, and he comes across this dead lion. Well, he kills a lion, then he's walking back by the lion that he killed, and he sees honey, the bees that set up inside the lion. He reaches into the carcass of the lion, he pulls out the honey, and he says, I deserve it. Even though God had told him, not to touch anything that was dead, it was unclean. Samson had this spirit of entitlement. He earned it, he thought he had it, and then we talked last, and we'll actually kind of camp out here again a little later. He had the spirit of pride. One of his vows was he could not go anywhere near alcohol, so what does he do? He throws himself a keg party right before his wedding to the woman he wasn't supposed to marry. And he thought to himself, I can handle it. He was prideful. I'm different than others. I can handle it. This week, we're going to begin to look at some more the vulnerabilities of Samson. And if you're taking notes, here's the key thought today. Samson was emotion-driven and not spirit-led. It's key. You want to live a life that is less than what you were created for? You want to take all that potential that God has put in you and squander it? Be led by emotion instead of the Spirit. As Christ's followers, we are to be led by the Spirit in all that we do. Sounds good. Sounds great. Makes us want to amen it. But it's hard. We had these pesky little things called emotions. And emotions start up in us, and the emotions take control of us. Instead of us being spirit-led, we become emotionally led. And as men, I think sometimes we don't like to think of ourselves as emotional. Let's just be honest, men. We would say women are emotional. We're not. I didn't expect amens because you're all cowards. But I know it's true. The silence was like an amen to me. Women are emotional. We're strong. My wife jokes that my tear ducts don't work. Emotions are for the weak. And the reality is, so emotions are given by God, they're not bad but we shouldn't be driven by them. Let's just be honest, and I'm swiping with broad strokes here. It doesn't always apply, so I don't need you to DM me. I don't need you to tell me after the service, hey, you don't know, man, that's not the way it works. In broad strokes, the difference between the way men process emotions and women process emotions is very different. In broad strokes, in a general sense, most of the time, women talk through their emotions. 
men act on their emotions. When women are upset, they talk and talk and talk and talk some more. Man, we don't talk a lot. We act. If Christine's upset, she's going to call one of her friends and ask them to meet her for some wine. They're just going to talk about things. I'm 47 years old, and I ain't ever called one of my guy friends and said, hey, you want to meet for some wine? And just talk things out. Men and women are different. If I had a friend call me, if Bubba calls me, and I love Bubba, but if Bubba called me and said, hey, man, I'm going through some stuff. You want to meet for some wine and talk? Me and Bubba are no longer friends. Say, that's horrible. I'm just saying it's not what we do. That's funny. I've been going through some stuff, and Bubba's gone through some stuff, and I've called him and said, hey, let's meet at Reformation. And we're going to drink beer. <laughs> we ain't going to talk about nothing we're going through. It's not what guys do. We're going to talk about sports. Talk about careers. We're going to talk about whatever. But we're not going to address what bothers us. Men act. We're run by emotion. The problem with that becomes... And I wonder how many of you to be honest, and I get that it's church, and it's so hard to be honest in church because we're worried what people think of us. But how many of you say, the problem with operating under my emotions is so many times my emotions have led me to do something I shouldn't do. I am Gary, I am the king of my emotions have led me to do something I shouldn't do. We act, and we don't act in the spirit We act in the flesh, and our emotions put us in a situation that's not always the right situation. We allow our emotions to take over. And I've learned a lot of times the key moment is right at the beginning because once you allow the emotions to take over, there's no reeling on back in. I don't know how it plays out in your home. Man, maybe you work hard and you want to engage more with your children. You know you need to, but you get home and it's been a long day at work and emotionally you're just fried, so it's easier just to allow the emotion of being tired to take over and you sit there and you turn on the TV and you disengage when you know you ought to be spending time with them. Or maybe, talking to myself here, you say something stupid, I know you find that shocking, that you would think, man, I'm so articulate, educated, and well-spoken that I think before I speak. But you say something stupid, and your mind tells you you should apologize. And your mind tells you you should apologize, and you push those, just push it down. Focus on that. But because of your pride, you won't do it. You're emotion-driven and not spirit-led. 
And those are three hard words to say. I am, I don't even like to say them, but I'm not even apologizing for anything right now. I'm sorry. Or someone does something to you and you want to explode in anger. Not me, but you. And you end up like Paul in Romans when he said, Romans, I think about seven. He said, why it is the things I want to do, I don't do. <laughs> and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. I- I'm glad to know Paul struggled with it too. I know I shouldn't get angry. I don't want to get angry, but I get angry. Yesterday, I could tell something was wrong with Christine. I made the fatal mistake of asking what was wrong. She said nothing. I should have let it go. I knew she was lying, but I should have let it go. I said, no, something's wrong with you. What's wrong with you? And then the next phrase came out that should have immediately put me in a spirit-led position to want to listen to my wife and alleviate what was bothering her. She said these words, well, I don't want to tell you because I don't want to fight. I didn't know what it was. But immediately... Felt the tension in my chest. I'm thinking, what are we about to find? But I ain't done nothing. I know what your problem is. I don't even know what she's upset about. She tells me, she wasn't even upset. She says, hey, I just want to clarify some things. Led to a strong conversation for about 10 minutes. Before I had to step back and realize I'm being controlled by emotion because I got defensive before I even heard what was said, and because I, don't miss this, oh, this is good preaching, it's not even in the notes. Because I got defensive, I was listening to respond instead of listening to hear. We can go home right after that. Before she told me what was wrong, I was like, well, I'm ready to defend myself. I didn't do anything. I even had this thought in my head. Let me tell you how bad it is. Let me tell you, this is what happens when you run by emotion. Before she told me, I was like, hey, just listen to her. It's Mother's Day weekend and her birthday's today. Don't fight with her. Bloop, I just put those spirit-led thoughts right out of my head. I was like, no, I'm going to defend myself. In the end, I think we got to a point where we were able to discuss it. And it ended. But we started, I started with emotion and instead of being spirit-led. For men, we're really guilty of this. And women are too, but men are really guilty of this. We end up like Paul in Galatians 5. Or we need to end up like Paul in Galatians 5 where Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do I not struggle with X, Y, Z? You walk in the Spirit. That doesn't mean you won't have the temptations or the emotions out there. But when you're walking in the Spirit, you deal with those better. The Bible says for the flesh, the flesh in this context is the contrary to God. It is the opposite of the spirit, the spirit being the leading of God. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit wants what is contrary to the flesh. 
our natural instinct. And people get really upset when I say this in this world that we live in today, but the reality is we're born sinners. The Bible says, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. You know, so we're all sinners. So our natural inclination is always to respond in the flesh. God says, I want you to respond in the spirit. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Conflict means they are fighting with each other. So inside of you is an eternal battle between your flesh, your emotion, and being spirit-led. In Hollywood terms, it's the little angel and the little devil on your shoulder. And the problem is, is we give in to the devil, we give in to the flesh, and therefore we are no longer able to fulfill the potential that God has put in us because you cannot walk in the flesh and do what God created you to do. Samson's problem was, oh, this is a good story today. Samson's problem is he was very often emotion-driven. Called by God, chosen by God, Nazarite vows, given all this potential, and yet he gave in to the emotion instead of the spirit. And we're going to watch this play out. If you missed last week, let me catch you up. Uh, Samson went, I told you, he went and pursued this woman who worshipped a false god, the Philistine woman. He said, I want to marry her. He said, I don't care what you say. I want to marry her. I don't care what my dad said. He said, go get her for me. And so he's at this bachelor party that he's thrown for himself. Now remember, he's not allowed to drink, part of the Nazarite vow. It wasn't that drinking was wrong, don't miss this, but it was wrong for Samson because he had made a vow not to drink. So he's at this bachelor party. The wedding is about to go down. She's a Philistine woman, so therefore there are Philistines around, the enemy of God's people who Samson had been told to deliver. And our story right here, he's hanging out, the Bible's very specific, with 30 Philistines who were God's people's enemy. So Samson, as he begins to start drinking, as we are prone to do, gets a little loud. And Samson says, hey, I'm going to give you a little riddle. He gets cocky. He says, hey, let's have a battle of wits. Because everyone knows that men love to compete all the time. Doesn't matter what we compete in. Let me tell you how shallow men are. Me. I shared a post this week. My buddy Chris shared the same post. I got 110 likes. He got 72 likes. I called him to make fun of him that I got more likes than him. So that seems immature. We're men. Everything is a competition. You know what was funny? He didn't know we were competing, but he understood. He's like, oh, crap, you beat me. He just knew. That's how it goes. <laughs> so he's at this bachelor party. He says, I want to give you a little bit of a, little bit of a riddle. And he says, hey, matter of fact, let's put a wager on the riddle. Because, man, there's got to be a prize if you're going to compete. Uncle Randy, amen me. I mean, if you're competing and there's no prize, then it's not a competition. Even if the prize is only bragging rights. So Samson makes this really stupid bet. 
He says to the 30 men, I'll bet you 30 pieces of linen and 30 pieces of clothing that I can win and you'll lose. Which is stupid because if he loses, he's got to come up with 30 pieces of linen and 30 pieces of clothing. If they win, all 30 men only have to come up with one piece of linen and one piece of clothing for Samson. He said, I'm going to give you this riddle and I'm going to give you seven days to figure it out. And here's the riddle. Now, if you were with us last week, you'll remember, remember Samson killed an animal. What kind of animal from the demonic cat family did he kill? He killed a lion. Now, remember, he promised God he would touch nothing dead. One of his vows. So the Bible says later on, he's walking by and he sees the lion's carcass there. And a group of bees has set up in the lion's carcass. And there's honey dripping in the carcass. No woman would drive by and say, man, that honey looks good inside that dead lion. I'm going to eat it. But a man would. We're gross. I told you last week, we smell our underwear to see if they're clean. That's just what we do. We're gross. We're barbarians. We're men. Samson says, man, I want some of that honey. He reaches in. He pulls out the honey, breaking a bow, touching something dead. So he tells them in verse, Judges 14, I think, verse 14, here's the riddle. He says, out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. What's he talking about? The honey and the lion. Out of the eater, the lion's an eater, something to eat, honey. Out of the strong, there's nothing stronger than a lion, something sweet. They would have never, ever in a million years figured this riddle out. Only Samson knew the story behind it. The Bible says for three days these men racked their brains. Now, remember, they're at a bachelor party. So this bachelor party has been going on three days now. They couldn't give him an answer. So they get angry that they're losing because that's what guys do when we lose. We get angry. Say amen, Christine. Anybody ever played the game Spoons? Spoons, anybody know who got Spoons? Go Google Spoons. We're not allowed to play Spoons in the Lamb House. Apparently because when our kids were younger, five and six years old, I talked so much smack they were crying, flipped over tables and everything over the game Spoons. Blah, 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 blah. Running by emotion. So they're losing and they get mad. And so guess what they do? They go to the woman he's about to marry. And they go to her and they say, trick him and get us the answer. She doesn't even know the answer. Get the secret out of him. And then, man, this is like, this is good soap opera stuff. They say, if you don't get the answer, we're going to burn you and your dad to death. Men are crazy. Competitive. We want this so bad, we will kill you if you don't get the answer. So the bride uses the woman's greatest gift. Anybody want to guess what that is? Sex? That's probably her second greatest gift. First greatest gift to get what she wants, her greatest weapon, is when in doubt, cry. Works every time. Shed some tears. Let's be honest, ladies. How many of you have gotten out of a speeding ticket with a little cleavage and some tears. Oh, just tears, I meant, excuse me, I'm sorry. Get it. So she goes to Samson and she begins to cry and she pulls out the, you 
don't love me. If you loved me, you would tell me the answer to the riddle. So finally, he caves in. And he tells her the secret. She goes back and tells the men the secret. So now they have the answer. Don't miss this. This is going to get good. I'm going to show you how this leads to his downfall of running on emotion. Because he gets so mad that he loses. They come to him with the answer. Before sunset, on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? My favorite part of any scripture is right here. Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, we're going to break this down too. You would not have solved my riddle. Samson's angry. He is mad. You say, how do you know he's angry? Because he just said, had you not plowed with my heifer, Let me tell y'all something. I, I, I know y'all don't like it when I cuss, but I, there's no other way not to, but not. I have said some stupid shit in my life. I have said things that as they are coming out of my mouth, I am verbally trying to put them back in. But I ain't ever. Ever, ever referred to my wife as a heifer. We can laugh, it's funny, I get it. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not have solved my riddle. I thought to myself, surely he is not this dumb. So I did something I very rarely do. I went back and I looked this phrase up in the original language of Hebrew. There are times the English language is not very descriptive, and I thought, surely this is not what it means, what it means. In the original language, this is what this means. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. <laughs> I mean, you talk about a dummy. You talk about a man operating on emotion. There's got to be some lessons here. Let me give you a little mini sermon right here. Point number one, men don't let anybody plow with your wife. I called six past. I don't have pastor friends. I have former pastor friends that used to be pastors. I called six of them this morning. If you're watching online, Grady, I called you. How dare you not answer your phone? I called my buddy Chris Elrod, who used to be a pastor. I called the guy who married me and Christine, Dave Anderson. Not a one of them answered the phone. I finally called Spencer Nix, the owner of Reformation. For those of you who don't know, Spencer used to own, I mean, Spencer used to be a pastor. Spencer used to be a very smart pastor, probably one of the smartest biblical sound people I know. I said, he said, yeah, everything all right. I said, yeah, I got a question. I said, when Samson told him not to plow with his heifer, does that mean what I think it means? He said, yeah. I said, all right. I want to make sure. 
So number one, man, don't let another man plow with your heifer. Point number two, don't ever call her a heifer. Men, it's probably hard. But even if another man plows with your heifer, do not call her a heifer. Or he'll be plowing with her a lot more because you'll be gone. And all the women said, So Samson's mad. Samson thought that he was going to win this bet. His woman has turned on him, and he is emotional. And he is about to operate on his emotion instead of being spirit-led. As he begins to operate on emotion, you'll begin to see that he caves in to weakness over and over again, and his potential becomes less and less. Man, I am here to tell you when you are operating on emotion, you are destroying the potential that God has put in you. He's going to fall victim to two emotions. I don't know what emotion it is you fall into today. He falls into two, but here's what I'm telling you. If you fall into the victim mentality of emotions and not being spirit-led, it can destroy you. That can even happen on good emotions. Emotions, the emotion of happiness. Well, God wants us happy, I understand that. But we can crave happiness so much that it becomes our number one goal. And we begin to do things that temporarily bring us happiness instead of long-term or being led by God. They plowed with his heifer. I can call her heifer because she ain't my heifer. Oh, I mean, she ain't my wife. Number one, he caved into the emotion of anger. He's got to fulfill his bet now. He's got to pay up. It's what you do when you lose. We have a society growing up that doesn't understand you can lose. Luke is 11 years old. Is Luke 11 years old? Luke is 11 years old. He's the kid that never grows. Feel like he's 27. When Georgia was in the championship game this year, suddenly Luke got into betting. He was betting everybody. I bet you $5. Georgia wins. I bet you $10. Problem is, he would lose, and then, like his grandfather and all these people, wouldn't make him pay up. So we got involved. And we said, no, that's not how it works. Play big boy games, you win big boy prizes. You made a bet. People have destroyed their lives betting, son. When you lose, you pay up. We made him pay up on those bets, teaching him lessons. It's time now for Samson to pay up. But he's controlled right now. He's angry. And instead of turning that anger over to the spirit, because anger's okay. The Bible says in your anger, do not sin. We're going to get angry. The key's not to sin in that anger. His emotions take over. It says, Samson went down to Escalon, and he struck down 30 of their men. I wonder why he struck down 30 of their men. He needed clothes for 30 men. He killed 30 innocent men to pay off his debt. He stripped them of their belongings and gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. (laughs) Burning with anger. 
He went up to his father's house. And Samson's wife was given to a friend who had attended him at his wedding. Now you're saying, what in good googly goo days of our lives just happened? Let me tell you what happened. Samson lost a bet. He leaves the wedding before the wedding starts, being controlled in rage, being controlled by emotion. He goes on to a killing spree. I don't know how long it takes a man to kill 30 other men, but he finds 30 men and he kills them. I want you to think about the severity of what he's doing right now. You say, well, I've never done that. Maybe not, but the point is he's run by emotion. Kills these 30 men, gets their clothing, and it makes it back. And while he's gone, and it must have been a while that he was gone, the bride's father begins to get embarrassed. We've got this party going on. We've got these guests here. And make this very clear, it would not have been uncommon in these days for this to happen. He said, well, she's of marrying age. We're here to have a marriage ceremony. The man that is supposed to marry her is not here. She getting married because I ain't paying for this again. And give her to another man to be married that day. That's exactly what happened. Don't miss this because we're talking about emotion. You think Samson's mad before. And he was mad he just killed 30 people. He shows back up, pays off his debt. He's ready to get married. He finds out this. He's already in a bad mood. And now the story goes, he goes into a rage. He's so mad at the Philistines, his enemy, that he should have never been with to begin with, that he finds 150 pairs. This is crazy. 150 pairs of foxes. Samson was a bad dude. I don't know how long this takes. You would think this took long enough to calm down. He ties their tails together, sets their tails on fire, and sends them running through the fields of the Philistines and the villages of the Philistines. Well, guess what happens? Everything begins to catch on fire. The town burns to the ground. The fields burn up. When you're run by emotion instead of the spirit, it doesn't matter how long it takes, you never come down. The emotion drives you. Now 30 innocent people have been killed. Now an entire town has been burned down. Now all the crops for these Philistines are going on crazy. All because he couldn't control his anger. And now suddenly he realizes all the Philistines are after him and he takes off running and we'll get to that at the end. For many of us, Men, especially anger, is our negative default emotion. For women, too, they just show it different. If someone embarrasses me, I often don't just feel embarrassed. I get angry about it. I'll show them. They're not going to do that to me. I almost caught myself doing that this week on Facebook with somebody. I had to step back and breathe and pray about it for a minute and just simply block them. 
I mean, think about it. Our default is anger. A man stubs his toe. A woman stubs her toe like on a stool. They act different. A woman stubs her toe on a stool. She's probably going to sit down and rub the toe until it feels better. If a man stubs his toe on that stool, we're going to turn around and kick the stool with the foot we just stubbed to make it worse. Am I wrong? We're emotional. We're upset about something. Stupid chair! Even though the chair wasn't even there. I mean, the chair was just sitting there. The funny thing is, if you think about it, what did Samson even have to be angry about to begin with? He's the one who went and pursued the wrong woman. He's the one who decided to marry her. He's the one who decided to ignore his parents' advice. He's the one who taunted the Philistines with the riddle. He's the only one who knew the secret, yet he gave it to his wife. He then left his soon-to-be wife and went and killed 30 innocent men. He's the one who burned the villages and crops down with the foxes. He's angry at the world and everything's his own fault. Got a buddy of mine who's mad at the world, mad at God. Because he lost his, I think I've shared this story, he lost his license. Can't believe God would take my license. Now, I think it was the three DUIs that took your license, but it wasn't God. Mad at the world. So many times we're in situations, and man, I hate my job. My boss is an idiot. And really the problem is, is you took the job. Whatever reason is, you didn't pursue what you should have pursued, and then maybe you didn't finish college, or maybe you didn't finish, or you accepted a job that is beneath you, and now you're mad at yourself, and you just blame it on the boss. I always think it's funny when people are raising hell about their bosses and big corporations. They're idiots. They're multimillionaires. They kind of know what they're doing, but you know everything. It's our pride. My wife won't meet my emotion, or my wife won't meet my physical needs. But you haven't met her emotional needs in months. So are you mad at her or are you mad at yourself? I can't believe God let this take place. Shouldn't be going through this in life. So many times it's self inflicted. I can't believe I'm in this financial straits as I live in a house that I can't afford and drive a car that I can't afford and go out to eat every night and buy things I don't need to impress people I don't like. I always tell people, you don't have a, you don't have a problem with not making enough money. You have a problem that you spend more than you make. It's not complicated. But we get mad about it, even though so many times it's our own doing. So many times we are where we are because of our own unwise decisions and yet we're blaming God instead of owning it. When we own our mess, it's easier to overcome our mess. My mom jokes and she'll say, man, Gary stayed in trouble all the time growing up. She'll say, I never had a child that was in much trouble as Gary. But you know what she'll tell you? She goes, but man... He never got in trouble for the same thing twice. He'd learn, he'd own it, and then he'd go get in trouble for something else. 
We've got to realize that so many times we're angry about situations that are our own doing, but even if it's not our own doing and it's someone else's doing, our default um, emotion being angry will destroy us. We've got to operate by the Spirit. When you own it, that means you might need to make some apologies to some people. Kids, your dad hasn't treated you good. I, I'm going to start doing better. To your wife, I've taken my frustrations out on you. I, I don't know. It's been, I don't know what it is. But when you own it, you move on from it. Not giving you excuses, telling you I was wrong, and I apologize. What if they don't accept your apology? Don't matter. You're not responsible for their actions, you're responsible for yours. Ladies, I would encourage you if that happens in your life and your husband does come, listen to the apology, accept it. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Let him prove himself. He don't need a reminder. It's funny, we'll apologize for the night, then you want to rehash it, but I already know what I did, so I'm apologizing. We've got to be spirit-led and not emotion-led. Samson was led by anger. I don't know what emotion is leading you today, but I know if that emotion is controlling you, it's going to destroy you. The second thing that he was led by, we only got two points today, we're going to get out of here. He was led by anger, and then there was pride. There was pride. Samson was a prideful person. As he's dealing with his anger, he goes out. Now he's left. They've given his wife away. He's destroyed the lands, and now they're after him, and they're chasing him. In verse 15, he does something, and he does it. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. He does it because of God's strength. But he takes all the credit for it. Verse 15, finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey. So they're coming after him. He finds the jawbone of a donkey. He grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. That's, that, that's bad to the bone stuff. Like, he struck down a thousand men. With a jawbone. We should outlaw guns. We just did it with a jawbone. Then Samson said, with a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. That's cocky. That's arrogant. I mean, you're talking about the baddest dude in UFC on steroids times a hundred. With a jawbone, he kills a thousand people. I'm just going to be honest with you. On a good day, on a good day, we recently had to deal with a situation with some high school boys. I thought, man, on a good day, I can take three of these high school boys by myself, three of them. Four of them jump in, I'm going to need some help. He just took about 1,000 men with a jawbone. You would think he would know that that's not normal and all glory goes to God. But he's operating in emotion instead of being spirit-led. And when you're operating in emotion, it's what you've done and not what God's done. 
I'll never forget a few years ago, I was going back through something, and I, I came across like an old article or an old blog post or something. My last Sunday at my last church, before I was let go, we baptized 167 people that Sunday. I think the newspaper had written an article about it. And I'm quoted in there. It's like, it was incredible today. I baptized 167 people. No, what's incredible is God led 167 people to change their lives and go public with their faith. Was it any wonder I was about to lose the place? I was giving myself the credit for what God was doing. Pride. Pride will destroy you, man. Pride will kill you. But here he is, under the power of God. All glory should be going to God. He strikes down a thousand man because there is nothing impossible with God. We look at that and say it's impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. And if God wants it done, in his power it is done. And God wanted it done. And God used Samson. But Samson is so arrogant and so cocky and so in the flesh, he's giving himself the credit with a donkey's jawbone I made a donkey out of them. What he's saying in the king's English is, he's being a smart aleck. With a donkey's, with an ass's bone, I made asses out of them is what he's saying. He's finding it ironic. He's being cocky. The worst kind of pride. Arrogance. And when we're run by emotion, it becomes, look what I did. How do you like me? Man, look how strong I am. Look how smart I am. Do you know who I am? Do you know what I'm capable of doing? Have I conquered enough? Man, I go into business deals and I crush people. Shut up. And we forget to give God the glory in these situations. And here's the funny thing about pride. Pride is always born out of insecurities. When we don't know who we are in Christ, pride is the first emotion that will rise up and take us down. The Bible says that that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The Bible says that pride comes before a fall. But we're so guilty of saying, hey, look at me, being run by emotion, listening to the praise of men instead of giving the glory to God. The other side of that, the flip side of pride, is just as dangerous. Instead of, instead of saying, look what I've done, when we need help, we'll be prideful and we won't ask for help. Men are the worst of this. We ain't going to stop and ask for directions. I got this. We were going to Florida one time, us and the Blankenships, and we went three hours out of the way, not asking for directions. We find ourselves in a horrible place and we're too prideful to go to someone and let them know where we're at and that we need them to walk with us through this. Problem with us, especially us men, is is we want to be the main character in our story. We want to be about us. 
We want to win. When we win, we're proud, and when we don't win, we're angry because we want to be in control. We want to be the character. We want to be the main character. But I need you to understand something, and I've had to learn this the hard way. We're never the main character in our story God is. When we think we're the main character in our story, our emotions are leading us. Everything that I have is because of God. I, I, I used to not be good at that, and, I, and I, I'm not saying this in a bragging way now. It's one of the areas I think I am pretty strong in now. I give God the glory for what happens in my life. I'm an idiot. Like, I, 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 it's funny to me when people want on the inner workings of, like, my business. Hey, I want to get behind the scenes. They get behind the scenes and they're like, how do you do this? This makes no sense. Yeah, God. God, not me. God. And when you remind yourself that God's in control, everything seems to work out a little bit better. We can't be controlled by emotion. We can't be driven by emotion. We have to walk in the Spirit. The Bible says this. So "So I say that I live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your fleshly nature. Because your fleshly nature is in conflict with the Spirit, and the Spirit is in conflict with the fleshly nature. So you do not do what you want. We're walking in the spirit. It's easier for us to make the right decisions because it's not about us. I need you to understand something. I'm going to wrap this up. When you're being driven by emotion, we head down the path of Samson. Your your emotion that's controlling you might not be anger and it might not be pride. I don't know what it is. It might be greediness. It might be sadness. So many of us are controlled by sadness. It's almost like we glorify depression in our society. And you're going to go in funks. Man, I was in a funk. I'm rarely in a funk. I think it was this week or last week I posted about it. I was like, man, I'm in a funk. Tired. I wrote that post. I said, why'd you write that post? I believe you take darkness and you bring it into light. I sat in my office for about 10 minutes and I embraced the suck of the fact that I was tired and mentally exhausted and wore out. I got out. I walked outside my office. I walked around downtown for a lap got back in my office, and I got back at it. I don't have time to be controlled by the emotion of depression. I can't, and this is going to offend some of you that are struggling with it, I can't financially afford to be depressed. I got bills to pay. A family who depends on me. I can't wallow in it. Turned on worship music in my office, and it was amazing how things began to change. Begin to read my Bible. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I read it for hours. I read it for about five minutes. And God began to refresh my soul. I began to operate in the spirit instead of operating by emotion. I'm not saying that when you're spirit-led, you're not going to feel emotions. You're still going to feel emotions. The difference is you won't be controlled by those emotions. So many of you right now, listen to me. You're in that Samson category of potential. And potential is just a waste of what God wants you to do. And this room is greatness. The Bible says, Jeremiah told Jeremiah, he said, I knew you in your mother's womb. I set you apart for greatness. Before 
you were ever took your first breath in this world, God knew you. And God created you. God, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. God doesn't make junk. You might have been a surprise to your mom and dad. I'm not even trying to be funny when I say that like normal. You might have been unexpected to them. God formed you and he shaped you and he created you. And you are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Psalms say. But Gary, you don't know, I don't care. I don't care about that. I care about today. God wants to do great things. He said, it's too late for me. If you're breathing, it's not too late for you. Talked to a guy, I don't know, six, seven months ago, and I'll never, he gave us this swing in our backyard, and I went over to pick it up, and I said, man, what have you been up to? Living out my day. I said, man, you seem miserable. Drinking all the time, no purpose. I'll never forget, he said, I'm almost 60. What's the point in changing now? I said, man, you might have 15, 20 more years, and you want to sit in this garage and be a drunk? Screw that. Like, that's a long time. We wallow in our emotions instead of being led by the Spirit. There's no recovery from my own. There's always recovery from what you've done. We're going to look at that in Samson. I've actually heard, and I used to think I say this, is first time you do it, it's a mistake. I'm butchering this. Second time, it's a choice. And maybe that's true. But Samson kept making the same decision. Then women kept getting him in trouble over and over and over. And we're going to get to the last week, and you're going to see that God used him. Now, don't miss this out. He missed out on what God really wanted for his life. He missed out on plan A. But the minute you get off plan A, there's a plan B. And God still used him for what he was created for in the end, and we'll get to that. Here's what I want you to know. Here's the big point, and we're going to wrap it up. If you let your need drive you to God, God will meet your deepest need. Quit running by emotion and run to God. It's powerful. It happens to Samson. Samson realizes he's public enemy number one, and he takes off running. He realizes he's in big trouble. And he gets out into the desert, and he has a realization I'm going to die of thirst out here in the desert. So I either go back into town and I face the enemies and they kill me or I die out here. He had no other option except for one. He could cry out to the Lord. The Bible says he's out in the desert and he begins to pray. Someone said, well, of course he's praying now. He's at the end of his rope. Hey, guess what? God listens at the end of your rope too. He's like, he got jailhouse religion. Hey, whatever it took to get him to look to God. Sometimes God's got to knock us so low that we ain't got nowhere to do but look up. Because he was thirsty. Because he's thirsty. He thinks he's about to die. He's scared and he's fearful. All of a sudden, the anger's gone and the pride's gone. And now the fear's setting in. And when the fear sets in, he begins to turn to God because he was thirsty. He cried out to the Lord. You've given your servant this great victory. It's funny. Now he's in the rope. He realized who gave him the victory. Hey, God gave me that victory. I know I was telling everybody else it was me, but it is you. You've given your servant this victory. Now I must die of thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. 
Then God opened up the hollow place, and water came out of it. Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. Emotions will kill you. Whatever the emotion is running on it will eventually lead you to being in the desert and being thirsty. It will eventually lead you to the end of your rope where you can no longer go on. At that moment, you can decide to die in your emotions, die alone, or you can turn to God. And here's the great thing about God. It is never too late to turn to him. He found God on his deathbed. That's convenient. Thank God he found God on his deathbed. Called out to God. God provided what he needed. He was strengthened and he was revived. Now, I wish I could tell you he learned his lesson here. <laughs> He's a man. He's going to be right back in it. But in that moment, life is never mountaintops. It's the thing about a mountaintop, the only way to go from mountaintops is down to the valley. That's the thing about the valley. The only thing to do is go over to the mountaintop. That's life. The ebb and flow of life. You think he would learn from it? He does probably temporarily. Then we get comfortable. And the emotions started running again. So what I'm telling you is it's not a one-time decision. You've got to live with this battle of the flesh and the spirit. Some days, some days the emotions went out, some days the spirit wins out. We need to be striving to make sure the spirit's winning out more days than the emotions. If we want to quit living by potential and start living by purpose. Let's pray.